0: With the 32nd pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast.
1: Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast. I'm Fran Duffy and we're back today looking at the defensive back Seven as we preview the 2018 college football season. So linebackers, corners, safeties, defensive back seven. Last week we looked at the trenches, the offensive and defensive lines. So make sure you go back and listen if you haven't yet because those two groups are loaded with talent going into this college football season. But There are a lot of interesting names at these three spots. Again, linebacker, corner, and safety. That will be the focus of this week's episode. At the top of this week's show, we've got draft buzz, where I chat with NFL Draft insider Tony Pauline, the best in the business who, again, we will have here every single week on the show to talk about some of the buzz surrounding the top players around that back seven around the country after draft buzz will then transition to scouting report where this week we'll dive in on a guy who I think is one of the best linebackers in the entire senior class Wisconsin's TJ Edwards after that we'll jump into a segment you all know and love Mr. Relevant where my good friend Ross Tucker and I talk about some of the best players in the Big Ten Conference and who he's most excited to see this fall now after Mr. Relevant once the season starts we will get into our Saturday scouting segment look at matchups each week but no games obviously start starting for another couple Saturdays. So, we're going to wrap this show up at the end with our draft mailbag where I will take a couple questions from you guys on social media and answer them here on the show. You guys sent in some great questions this week. Before we get to that though, let's send let's get things started with the latest and greatest surrounding the 2019 draft, our buddy Tony Pauline in Draft Buzz.
2: Now it's time for Draft Buzz.
1: Back for another week here on the Journey to the Draft Podcast. We've got Draft Buzz with Tony Pauline from draftanalyst.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Tony Pauline. Tony, welcome back. Let's uh, we're talking about the back seven today. We're talking about linebackers and defensive backs. And we're gonna start in the SEC with a team that I feel like not a lot of people know has a lot of talent for this upcoming draft, and that's uh, the Kentucky Wildcats. No more of a basketball school, has a lot of talent coming into this into this uh, into this year. It's going to be really interesting. But to me, two linebackers for that team really stand out. Jordan Jones, who was a second-team All-SEC pick last year. He's 6'2". I've I got him in like the 220-pound range. We'll see how big he is next year at the Combine. And then Josh Allen, the big, he's the big name that is getting all kinds of buzz in the media. 6'5", 250 pounds, kind of lines up all over the place for them. He was a high school wide receiver in North Jersey. Who's the better player for Kentucky in your eyes? And what are, what are the buzz you're hearing on these two Wildcats?
2: Yeah, well, the better player is Jordan Jones. The better prospect is Josh Allen. The better NFL prospect is Josh Allen. Let me explain. I mean, Josh Allen's 6'5, 255 pounds, plays to a legit, you know, low 4'7s, high 4'6s, and he's a guy who forces the action up the field. He's a terrific pass rusher. He stands up over tackle, uh, he makes a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage. Good athlete with a good change of direction can make plays in pursuit. He's not bad dropping off the line in coverage. When they used him in space, he wasn't a liability. He has to brush up that part of his game, but he showed potential there. With that size and with that ability to impact the game as a pass rusher, he's going to be highly sought out. I love Jordan Jones. I've watched him for two years. He was on my radar coming into the 2017 season. But he's smaller. He's more of a pursuit linebacker. He's more of a Roquan Smith, Christian Kirksey-like type of you know, run to the ball, give him a free lane, and he chews up a lot of areas, sideline to sideline, or getting depth on, dro- depth on drops. But he's got size limitations. So, in, in that sense, I think that Josh Allen is going to be a much earlier pick than Jordan Jones. But I do think Jordan Jones, in the right system at the next level, will have a long and, and productive career.
1: Yeah, I think you've you set that up perfectly in that it, I think Jordan Jones is the better player, Josh Allen, the better prospect. I, I'm a big fan of Jordan Jones. I, I'm excited to watch him again this year. Like you said, uh, you've been on him for a couple of years now. This was my first chance to be able to watch him this past spring, and I, I was really, really impressed, and I came away liking him much more than Josh Allen based off the film study this offseason. Uh, let's stay at the linebacker spot. It's interesting because a lot of these linebackers this year maybe you know weren't full-time starters this past season, or you know maybe they're just getting their first crack at it now. Not a lot of big names, but who's the big-name senior linebacker that you're most excited about this fall? Who Who is the guy that you think everybody should be watching in your mind?
2: Well, like you said, there's not a lot of big names. There's only a couple of guys at the top. Uh, instead of giving you a big-name guy because it's kind of thin at that position, I'll give you a sleeper. And I like the kid Khalil Hodge from Buffalo, a guy who was a terrific pursuit linebacker, He he has a free agent grade from scouts, but if you watch him play, he's an outstanding run defender, quick to the action, both up the field as well as laterally, shows some suddenness in his game. He's going to be marked down because he doesn't have the great measurables. He's got average size. He's got uh, a moderate 40 time, but he plays fast. He plays tough. He plays smart. I think this is a guy that you're going to have to overlook the measurables and just watch the tape. Because he makes a lot of plays on the football field, the Buffalo's got uh, t- a couple of terrific prospects there, and I like the linebacker Khalil Hodge uh, from that from that program. He's the guy to keep an eye on.
1: Tony, you and I spend a lot of time together out in Indianapolis at the combine every year, and one of my favorite things to do out there in Indianapolis is catch up with players. You know, as they, during the media sessions, and you know, one of the things I was able to do was I, I talked with LSU running back Darius Geis as he was walking away from the podium, and I said, "Hey, uh, who's the best player you faced this year? Who's the number one player that stands out to you?" And he told me that it was a player from their bowl game against Notre Dame linebacker Tavon Coney. Uh, I didn't know much about him. Went back and watched him. I was really impressed with this kid. Uh, Six foot and a half. He's over 230 pounds. He's athletic. He's instinctive against the run. He's got a strong short area burst. Tell me more about this kid. What are you hearing about what his prospects are now for the next level as he enters his senior season?
2: Yeah, he he really is a three-down defender when you watch him on film. I mean, he's graded right now as a middle-round choice But he's a guy who can play in space. He's very good in coverage. If you watch him covering backs, even slot receivers who come over the middle of the field, he plays smart, aware athletic football, outstanding in pursuit, really doesn't have mental lapses, doesn't have the great height. But he's smart and he's tough and 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 he's he's very quick. I think it's more than a short area burst. I I think he is a guy that when he goes to the combine in 2019 is going to run a decent 40 time. Uh, right now, he's great as a middle-round choice. I could see him hopping into the second day of the draft with a good season. You've got to overlook the fact that he's six one and a half, but a lot of teams, you know, they like, they're not, they've got no problem with the smaller linebackers just as long as they can run fast and get to the ball, and that's exactly what this guy does. And he's not just a run defender, as I said. I mean, you can use him in coverage. You can use him in zone. He's not bad covering the ba- uh, backs or tight ends out of the backfield. Uh, he doesn't make a lot of splash plays but he's very consistent in what he does on the field, and that's being productive all the time.
1: I'll admit that I'm a bit behind right now on the cornerback group, Tony. You know, I'm looking around. I'm trying to find seniors to watch. and you know, I've watched a handful, and the top two guys for me are Michael Jackson from Miami and DeAndre Baker from Georgia. Those are my two favorite guys from basically what I've watched so far this offseason. Give, give me a quick comparison for us from what you've heard on those two players and what you've seen with your eyes as well.
2: Yeah, not a lot of great talent uh, from the senior class at the cornerback position, and that's because, you know, year in and year out, the top cornerbacks in the draft are underclassmen. So when you have juniors and and redshirt sophomores at the top of the position, what it does is it eventually depletes the uh, the senior class, and and that's what's going on. It's interesting watching DeAndre Baker and Michael Jackson. I've broken both down on film. Uh, Jackson is about an inch higher and about 15 pounds heavier than Baker. Yet, Baker plays much more physical football. Baker's a guy who just beats down opponents and out outmuscles opponents to defend the throw. He's got a great burst. The problem with Baker is you rarely see him get his head back around to locate the pass in the air. All too often, he's face-guarding opponents, and he's, he's really uh, relying on his ability to strong-arm opponents to defend the throw. He can't, he's coming into the season with a high grade from scouts, but fundamentally he's, not, he's, he's poor with his fundamentals, especially getting his head back around to locate the pass. Michael Jackson's really exceptional. does a good job with that. He's very effective facing the action. He's got a great burst. I think Michael Jackson's got better ball skills, but uh, DeAndre Baker plays much more physical football. It'll be interesting to see what happens uh, moving forward. Michael Jackson was only given a middle-round grade uh, from scouts as we move towards the season. I grade him as a third-rounder. I think he's a little bit underrated by scouts, and I think DeAndre Baker's being a little bit overrated by scouts.
1: I thought you made a good point there in the beginning, talking about how the underclassmen from last year's group really kind of attributes to, or uh, contributes to the lack of depth here uh, in this senior class. I thought it was the same thing last year. I remember going into the senior season and, you know, the, my favorite guy was MJ Stewart. I loved MJ Stewart in the senior class last year, but again, you're talking about a guy who was a slot corner. He was a, a late second round pick, um, but what the, the depth really didn't appear until you saw and started to see who those juniors were that uh, were declaring for that draft. Now, we asked to talk about the top two guys. Give me a sleeper at the cornerback spot that we should have our eyes on moving into this, into this season based off what you've heard from scouts.
2: Well, it's not only what I heard from scouts. It's basically what I know from watching film in the past because scouts really haven't talked too much about this guy. But keep in, if you get to watch him, Viante Copeland from Missouri Western. Now, here's the guy when I watched him early in his career at Michigan State, he showed next-level stuff. Five 5'10", 190 pounds, was a guy who was rarely challenged at Michigan State. When he was challenged, he was constantly making plays, very physical, relatively athletic. He started five games at Michigan State in 2016 before sustaining a, a season-ending uh, broken foot. Was eventually eventually left the program. Didn't play football last year and showed up this year at Missouri Western. Scouts don't. He's not on the uh, radar uh, radar for scouts uh, this year. But again, as we saw. Well, I was at the Senior Bowl covering it for PhiladelphiaEagles.com. A lot of small school corners, because of, this, because of the lack of depth of the senior class, make their way to the Senior Bowl, get invited to the Combine. Beyonte Culpin of Missouri Western has some big-time college experience at Michigan State. There's a guy, a name to keep in the back of your mind, if you ever get to watch Missouri Western or in the postseason. Uh, a a game, a pro-season all-star game like the Shrine game, like the Senior Bowl, wouldn't be surprised if he shows up.
1: We've talked about the lack of depth at the cornerback class, but everyone I've talked to, and I ask, hey, what are the deepest position groups in this class from what you've seen so far? Safety keeps coming up in the senior group, and it seems that there's a lot of big names. Who are the big names, if you could share with us, uh, for this senior class at the safety spot? It seems like there's a bunch of them.
2: There are. I, I mean, one of the top ones we talked about Michael Jackson from Miami of Florida. His teammate, Jaquan Johnson of Miami, he's a big-time player. He's the guy that's getting a lot of play from scouts, a lot of love from scouts. They think he could go first round. He's got excellent size. You know, you, you go back to the days of, you know, the Ed Reeds and all those other intimidating safeties that came out of the Miami program, Jaquan Johnson's like that. You come over the middle of the field, you're a ball, you're a ball handler, you're a receiver, you better watch out because this guy's going to lay you out. He's quick, he's explosive. Needs to improve his man cover skills, but again, if you're looking for a two-deep safety, a traditional strong safety, a guy who can play free safety in his own, Jaquan Johnson I think is going to be an early pick. I have him right now ranked as a second-round uh, prospect. I know there are a lot of scouts who like him as a first-rounder. The other guy is Jonathan Abrams from Mississippi State. Really probably more complete than Jaquan Johnson, but a little bit slower. A little bit, it takes him a while longer to chew up ground. But again, a tough run defender. He's got excellent ball skills. Doesn't have many mental lapses. I grade him as a third rounder. There are some scouts that have already stamped him as a first round pick. But I think what happens with Jonathan Abrams is he's gotta have a good senior season and then he's gotta run well in the lead up to the two thousand nineteen draft. Run well means under four five five because if he goes and he puts down a stinker like a four six or a four five eight, he's gonna drop.
1: Yeah, Abram, I know, was a big-time junior college recruit, a a kid that uh, transferred from Georgia, I believe, early in his career. He's going to be an interesting story, certainly a name – to watch moving into this season, uh, staying in the SEC now. You know, earlier we started this segment talking about that Kentucky defense and those two linebackers, Jordan Jones, Josh Allen. But this Kentucky secondary has got a number of interesting players too. Is there a guy that kind of tickles your fancy the most? I kind of like this free safety, Mike Edwards. There's a couple corners there: Derek Beatty, Lonnie Johnson. Uh, who stands out the most to you based off your eyes and then also your ears as well?
2: From Kentucky? Kentucky, yeah, yeah. I would agree with you about Mike Edwards. I mean, Mike Edwards. And it's for a couple of years now. It's covered a couple of seasons. Mike Edwards is in a one-year wonder. But if you watch the Kentucky film, you see number seven all over the field making plays. Making plays against the run. Making plays against the pass. Getting out to the sidelines. Helping his cornerbacks when the ball's in the air. I mean, he's constantly making productive plays. Uh, yeah, the scouts uh, have said he runs in the 4-6s. Uh, when I watch him play, I see him as a guy who's a 4-5-2 type of guy. He's got excellent length. He's got it going on between the ears. He's physical. He doesn't shy away from contact. So uh, you're right. They've got a ton of talent uh, in in that uh, defensive back seven uh, that that are on scouts list right now. I think Edwards is the most underrated because he's got all the measurables. It's just a matter of you know how fast does he run. And when you watch him on film, he seems quick enough.
1: Tony, I'm going to let you off the hook. No mock draft this week, so we'll, we'll get back to that next week. But I appreciate the time here, as always, on the Journey to the Draft podcast. We will talk to you next week forward to it. Great stuff from Tony. You can follow him just like I do on Twitter at Tony Pauline. And while you're at it, I'm at Duffy 3 That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's nose content that we produce here at the Novocare Complex. And make sure you go and check out our draft page. It's going to be coming soon at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Not only will all of these podcasts be there in season, but that's where you can find my weekly Saturday scouting column heading highlighting the best matchups each week. There will be some extra video content on there as well. So make sure you go check out all of that on philadelphiaeagles.com and the Eagles mobile app all right let's keep this show going I told you we would break down Wisconsin linebacker TJ Edwards a player who I would argue is the best senior linebacker in the country going into this fall at least based off who I've studied so far Uh, he's a pretty good player we'll tell you why right here in scouting report
0: dim those lights we're headed to the film room for the scouting report
1: All right, so T.J. Edwards, out of Wisconsin, six foot and a quarter. He's just under 250 pounds. He was a first-team all-conference player last year in the Big Ten. Reportedly got a return-to-school grade from the NFL Draft Advisory Board, so he decided not to enter the 2018 draft, but – I think this kid's got plenty of ability. Let's jump into the notes. Edwards is going into his fourth year as a starter at inside linebacker and defensive coordinator Jim Leonard's pro-style 3-4 scheme. I love watching defensive players from Wisconsin because Jim Leonard puts them in a lot of pro-style situations. You see him do a lot of different things. He lines up to the passing strength on the inside, so mostly stacked inside the box, but sometimes he'll slightly walk out over the slot. He's got solid height thick, well-built frame. He's quicker than fast. Very rarely does he fall step and he's able to get early beads on plays. His instincts are pretty impressive. He's always square to the line of scrimmage and he keeps himself in position to make the play downhill. We've talked with Ike Reese on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. and How many times do you hear Ike talk about staying square to the line of scrimmage? He says it all the time on Eagles game plan as well. That's so important for the linebacker spot. I think TJ Edwards does that at a pretty high level. He's got a knack for fitting himself through tight cracks in a phone booth. He's got the size and the strength Strength to defeat blocks at the point of attack and easily takes on fullbacks in the hole. He's heavy-handed on contact. I love what he can do playing downhill. He's got good technique as a tackler. Really smart zone coverage player. Like One of the better coverage linebackers I've studied in the last couple of years. He handles his business as a pattern match player in the hook curl as well as a rat player underneath in the short middle of the field. He reacts to route combinations very quickly. Very rarely is he out of position. And he some passes thrown his way are always a threat to be picked off. He's got some pretty impressive ball skills at the catch point. Made some great interceptions last year and the year before. So uh, if you want to find a highlight, I'm sure that's probably around somewhere on the internet. He's made some great interceptions. He's got a good motor, used at times as a blitzer inside as well. So this is a versatile guy. He's just not an explosive athlete. And if we're going to talk about negatives with him, that's probably where you're going to start. He didn't impress me with his closing speed, uh, and that's going to be the big question is his overall athletic upside. At times, he can get a little washed out on the perimeter, uh, trying to, he'll try and stay leveraged with the ball carrier, kind of throw himself off balance, and then can get washed out. That's because of that lack of explosive speed. He can't really keep pace with the ball, gets out leveraged, and by trying not to get out leveraged, he almost turns his body to the, to the sideline and then is able to get run out of the picture. So that's one of the big things he's got to worry about on outside runs. Doesn't have the ability to really go backdoor to make the play. He knows it, so he's really working to try and make sure that he can stay in position. He can improve with his hands, still can get a little bit better there at the point of attack. Sometimes he'll struggle to break down and finish one-on-one as a tackler. It's not a technique thing. It's more of just a tightness in his lower half, being able to break down and finish, come to balance, and finish that tackle in the flat. Struggles keeping pace with faster tight ends and crossing routes as well. So those are the athletic limitations with this kid. But to me, as as a kind of final summary... He's smart enough and instinctive enough to be a 3 down player in the NFL. Like I think there are plenty of linebackers that start that have some of those similar athletic limitations and that's going to be the big question is you know is he going to, if he goes to the combine and you know stinks it up now we're talking, he's probably not going to get looked at uh, all that well. But if he goes to the combine and tests pretty well, I think on film his athleticism looks good enough. I think he could best fit as a 4-3 Sam or as a Mike, as well as a 3-4 Mike. I think he's got some position versatility. He lacks top-end athleticism. That's a little bit of a concern, but I think he makes up for it in a number of other ways. I gave him a starting grade. I think he can be three-down guy. So I am excited about him. That's how I feel about TJ Edwards from Wisconsin, one of the more intriguing players at his position in the upcoming NFL draft but let's keep this show rolling I was uh, happy to be joined by Ross Tucker this week on Mr. Relevant he's my co-host on the college draft podcast Ross is a former offensive lineman in the NFL he does a lot covering the Penn State football program covers college football and high school football across the country so he's got some insight into some of the top players in the Big Ten outside of TJ Edwards I had a chance to catch up with Ross recently when he was in town a couple weeks ago let's get to that chat right now
0: it's time for Mr. Relevant.
1: Really happy to be joined by my buddy, former NFL offensive lineman, Ross Tucker, to talk about some Big Ten prospects that Ross is excited to see here this college football season. Ross, uh, let's talk about the position that you say no, it really is the only one that matters, uh, the offensive line. As we go into this college football season, who are some linemen that you're excited to watch here in the upcoming year from the Big Ten?
0: Well, you should know, by the way, the Eagles just won the Super Bowl in large part because of their offensive line. What an awesome group that they have. I really enjoy I We could talk about this some other time, Fran, uh, on one of my podcasts or whatever. But I don't think people realize how good Brandon Brooks is. Lane Johnson's awesome. I think he's getting the credit for it. Brandon Brooks, I, I'm amazed by some of the things that that guy does. He is how you draw it up as a right guard. And I think Wisconsin has a guy that's somewhat similar in Bo, Ben Schwazel or something like that. I don't even know how to say the guy's last name. I just know he's number 66 and he is a bad dude. I mean, he is getting after people in the run game. He's a finisher. He's 6'6", 321. He's not afraid to, to get after people down the field. He also looked pretty athletic, quick out of his stance. Uh, did a nice job in pass protection. He's the my favorite guard that I've seen so far in college football heading into the 2018 season. But they also have two good tackles at Wisconsin. It's kind of unbelievable. Uh, Michael Dieter, the left tackle, is probably a little bit more athletic than David Edwards. Not, maybe not quite as big as David Edwards. But honestly, Fran, all of these guys... Look like they're right out of central casting. They're all six six, six six and a half, three hundred and twenty pounds, and they all move pretty well. I watched the Ohio State Big Ten Championship game, and I thought Dieter really did some nice things against Nick Bosa, you know, who's a lot of people think he's maybe a top ten pick, and I thought Dieter did an excellent job. He takes nice, balanced sets, get out of, gets out of his stance quickly, uses his hands well. I thought he used his outside hand probably a little too much. I would like to see him keep that back uh, so he, he can't get that wiped down. But I liked him a lot. I, I guess in terms of prospects, I'd probably go Dieter one Ben Schwazel two, and then David Edwards, the big right tackle, number seventy nine three. I think that they might all end up inside, but I think Dieter has the best chance to play tackle. Then Edwards, uh, if he's not a right tackle, they'll move him inside. It's hard to picture them bumping Ben Schwazel out. So Ben Schwazel will be a guard. Dieter's probably the best. Ben is probably my favorite.
1: So you studied the Wisconsin offensive line, and you obviously you watch a lot of Penn State football. What are your thoughts on this Big Ten defensive line group? Because there are a lot of big names. You've watched a lot of Big Ten football. Any thoughts on it, whether they're seniors or underclassmen from this group overall?
0: Well, it's interesting because the guy that has the most physical ability to me is clearly Rashan Gary. It's just I think when he was going to camps like in ninth and tenth grade friend, he was running like four fives at two hundred eighty five, two hundred ninety pounds. I mean, he's just a different human being. He is special. But he hasn't really been as dominant as you would expect so far in his career. Now he's going into year three. You know, Maybe the light comes on. He does not have uh, the consistent motor that you're looking for. And he just, you know, so much a defensive line play. It, it's more about technique than people realize. You, know, you need to be able to set up rushers. You need to be able to use your hands. I think Rashawn's still getting there. He's going to be a first-round pick. He's just too physically gifted to not be a first-round pick. But I think the best guy so far that I've seen is Nick Bosa. I don't even know how to tell him apart from Joey Bosa. I mean, when I watch him, same number, look the same, act the same, same burst, same finish, same good usage of their hands. I mean, their dad has done a really nice job with them, I think, because for underclassmen – them to be as good as they were with their hands as look I played the end as a freshman I had no moves I had no idea what I was doing these guys are like really sophisticated with their hand moves it's a big reason why they're so successful and I, I like Chase Winovich too I, I I think Chase Winovich he's a Pennsylvania guy he's a Western PA guy you know he he's pretty athletic I think he ends up maybe being a rotational guy or he, he looks to me like a three four outside backer Uh, you know, like playing for like the Steelers or something like that is where I see Winovich fitting in for Michigan.
1: Very involved with the Penn State program and and following that program closely. They lose Saquon Barkley in the draft this past year. How do they replace Saquon Barkley this year?
0: Well, they got a guy that they've really been grooming. They they chose to not have him be – redshirted as a true freshman, that's Miles Sanders. He was the number one ranked running back in the country, played in the Under Armour All-American game. He's from Woodland Hills out in Pittsburgh. He's a five-star recruit. And it's one of those things, Fran, that you watch him and you're like, wow, he's a good player. But when he was getting reps in between or after Saquon Barkley, it's just different. It's just like Miles Sanders, I think, is going to have an excellent year. I wouldn't be surprised if he has 1,500 all-purpose. I mean, he's going to have a great year. But he's just a different player. Now, I'm not sure that he doesn't have better vision than Saquon Barkley. I'm not sure he's not as good out of the backfield. I think he's a little bit more of a slasher. He might be more effective in between the tackles at times. He's not as powerful, and he doesn't have just the raw jump cuts, lateral agility, and 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 speed that Barkley did. I mean, you know, we all saw that at the Combine. There's really nobody like Saquon Barkley, but Miles Sanders – you know, I, about midway through the year, people are going to say, wow, this guy, where'd he come from? Well, he's been there the whole time. He's just been behind, you know, the number two pick in the NFL draft.
1: Staying in the Penn State backfield, thoughts on Trace McSorley, the senior quarterback there for the Nittany Lions. Uh, what, what are his prospects looking like m- moving forward?
0: So this is a fascinating one for me because I, I'm not like a big quarterback guru. You know, I, I just know this. It's I, I, It's hard to remember the games where he hasn't played well. I mean, he, he did not play great in the rain in Michigan State. Uh, their offensive line was overmatched at times against Ohio State this past year. But ever since he's gotten an opportunity, he's made a lot of plays. How much of that had to do with Saquon Barkley? You know, at times, especially his uh, sophomore year, two years ago, it felt like, Fran, that he would just throw the ball up and somehow Chris Godwin or Deshaun Hamilton or Mike Kosicki would come down with it. I mean, it, it it didn't seem like it was necessarily pinpoint passing. Now, Joe Moorhead, who's now the head coach at Mississippi State, he didn't like that. I think he listened to me say that because he didn't like that, the, the notion that he was just chucking it up there. But, I mean, a lot of them, they were 50-50 balls, and the Penn State guys came down with it. I don't know if he's as precise as they're going to want him to be. Uh, I think he sticks in the league. I just don't know that he, you know, to be his size and and really make it in the league. I feel like you either need elite athleticism like what we've seen from Russell Wilson, or and maybe Lamar Jackson, or you and who's a little bit taller, but or you need pinpoint accuracy like Drew Brees and Baker Mayfield. I'm not sure Trace McSorley fits either one of those categories. So to me he ends up probably becoming a backup. But I, I have a feeling he's going to find a way to stick.
1: Last question for you. We talked about the backfield of Penn State. Anybody else at Penn State that you're, I guess, really excited about moving into this year, any seniors in particular?
0: Well, uh, I think that there's a cornerback, Amani Oroawe, uh, something like that. Amani O. he's number 21. He's a good player. I can never do his last name, but he he had a really nice year. Uh, Penn State had, last year, both safeties got drafted in the fourth round. Uh, They had a couple corners, Christian Campbell and Grant Haley go to the NFL as well. So they had four guys go, and I'm not sure Imani wasn't better than those other two corners, or at least a better prospect than the other two corners. They also bring back John Reed from the Philadelphia area, St. Joe's Prep High School, and he was probably considered their best corner as a true sophomore before he tore his ACL last year. He'll be a senior, but junior eligibility. So I don't know you know what he'll end up doing, but both the Penn State corners, I think, are guys to keep an eye on, and another guy would be uh, Ryan Bates, an offensive lineman. There's, a, there's an underclassman offensive lineman to keep an eye on too, Connor McGovern. Is a true junior who's been starting since his true freshman year. It's up in the air whether he'll play guard or center. He's 326 pounds. To me, he's more of a guard. So we'll see how that sorts out with Penn State up front. But if you start as a true freshman like he did, and you show the position versatility like both he and Bates have have done, you know, it, there's a possibility that they look at the end of this year and say, okay, it, it, you know, how much better am I going to get? How much more can I improve my draft stock? So both those guys. You know, Bates will be a redshirt junior. McGovern will be a true junior. They're both possibilities to, to leave school if they have really good years.
1: Outstanding information there from Ross Tucker, who you can follow on Twitter like I do, at Ross Tucker NFL. And speaking of Twitter, you guys know how much I love it. When you tweet out the show or you post about it on Facebook, it's great support. Love you guys all for it. What we love most here, though, is when you take a minute, head over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and give us a rating or even leave us a comment. I'll tell you what, we posted the show last week, we had a handful of comments on Apple Podcasts, I was thrilled, I went and I had a couple options here, we could really use your love and support with all those platforms with the podcast relaunching, I wanted to give some love this week to Amy Beth 10, who went on Apple Podcasts, gave us that 5 star rating, commented saying how much she loved the podcast and how she's happy to have it return to the airwaves, so Thanks to Amy, Beth, and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. All right, let's keep this show rolling. Once the regular season starts, we will transition into our Saturday scouting segment. That will be a fun look at an upcoming matchup with my guy, Ben Fennell, who was actually a guest this week on the eagle eye in the sky podcast great conversation about the entire eagles roster at this point in the summer make sure you go check out that conversation with ben on that show now but no games this week obviously in college football so we're going to skip saturday scouting this is where my conversation with ben usually will be but right now it's time for the draft mailbag
0: now it's time to hear from you the fans in the draft mailbag
1: all right, so this week on Draft Mailbag, Corbin Springer went on Apple Podcast. First off, Corbin left a five-star rating, and he commented, so that's the fastest way to get on the show. Uh, really good, much love there for Corbin Springer. Thank you, and I know you're a longtime listener, so thank you. Uh, Corbin asks, it seemed like last year that draft was very thin at the free safety spot. Lots of guys who could play in the slot over the tight end, but not a lot of deep range. Would you agree with that? And if so, is that a coincidence, or is it evidence of a trend? Thank you. Well... Corbett's that's a good question, and I think really when you look at the safety position, it's funny, I was, I was just asking this weekend Tim Houck, the safeties coach for the Eagles, about this topic because a lot of people will say that the safety position is probably the hardest to evaluate even compared to quarterback coming out of the college level just because of, there's a lot of different factors there, but you know, ultimately you look at this past class. Derwin James was obviously the best safety and a lot of people including myself felt he was more of a prototypical strong safety type not necessarily a a pure center fielder in every sense of the word but then you look at your guys that were mid-round picks you know Armani Watts Jesse Bates they were day two selections after that it was kind of like the athletic freaks that went high. You know, Tarvarius Moore was a third-round pick, wasn't even invited to the Combine. I loved his film but didn't go to the Combine, was a third-round pick with San Francisco. Troy Apke was really off the radar, was kind of like a bottom-of-the-barrel Combine invite from Penn State. He goes and tears it up. He's a fourth-round pick from the Washington Redskins. I kind of liked his tape, too. But there weren't a lot of pure center fielders. The year before, we had Malik Hooker, who was a top two or three talent overall in that class. You had Eddie Jackson, who I thought was a first-round talent, ended up going in the fourth round. I think the broken leg had a little something to do with that. But Eddie Jackson is one of the best young safeties in the NFL. Corbin, I think when you look at the safety spot, a lot of it is that with the way that defenses play now in college football and with the the onset of sub-packages, a lot of teams will look at their best athlete and say, "You know what? This guy should be playing in the slot for us." You know, so you look at a, a kid uh, who is the kid from Stanford this past year. Um, that, that was a I want to say he was a second or third round pick for the Houston Texans. And you know this, and there's a lot of kids that are like this. They play mostly in the slot. You know, Rashawn Golden from Tennessee this past year was mainly a slot player. He got drafted by the Carolina Panthers in the mid-rounds to play as a free safety, but he had never done it before. And so if you're talking about more of a projection. You're still seeing that with college corners that are being projected. To me, I think that's really the genesis of it is that, yeah, there are guys that you're just projecting to play as a post-safety in the in the post. But it's not an easy thing to say, yeah, you're going to see this game from a completely different spot in the field, and we're going to ask you to go and do it and do it early. If there aren't a lot of guys that are doing it at a high level at college, then it's tough to then justify taking them high in the NFL draft. And I think that's kind of what you're seeing there. Uh, Derwin James did a little bit of that last year for Florida State. He didn't do it all that well. The game against Wake Forest, to gave up a big play because he took a bad angle in coverage, and that's really a big concern. I know Carl Joseph was selected in the first round by the Oakland Raiders a couple years ago. Kind of the same kind of deal. He took a lot of bad angles in the back end, and I know he's kind of struggled so far with Oakland. Like Seeing the game from, the, from 20 yards off the ball it's a little bit, you're putting put on an island, and it's a little bit tough to be able to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to see the game from this point now and take all the best angles and never fall step and still be able to, by the way, move at top speed to the sideline, go and finish on, a ball, on the ball, or come downhill, take the right angle in the run game, and finish one-on-one as a ball, on a ball carrier as the last line of defense. Like That's really, really hard to try and project if you've never done it before. So, Long story short, I think that's why you're seeing that. I don't know if it's going to be a trend that we'll see moving forward, or, you know, if maybe it's just been a, a rough patch over the last couple of years. There are those guys out there. Those guys are out there. You just kind of have to find them. And it, it's tough with safeties because, you know, you have to watch four, five, six, seven games before you really get a good feel. I mean, there are times where I'll watch a safety and I may watch three games and I'll say, I, I don't really, I have like three or four lines of notes. I don't really have enough to really finish a scouting report on them. Uh, and that's just the nature of the safety position. So, it's um it's definitely one of the more fun positions to watch. It's one of my favorite positions to watch, but it definitely takes a lot of time and the projection is certainly very difficult. So good question there, Corbin. Appreciate the uh the time and the again go and give us a rating and uh, leave us a comment. So great stuff this week from Tony Pauline, Ross Tucker, all of you out there listening, whether you're on Apple podcast Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, or of course on PhiladelphiaEagles and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you. And again, Take a few seconds, please. Go rate the show. Leave us that comment. It's the best way to support the program. We're back here full-time. It'd be great to just give us a little bit of support, help bump us up in the rankings a little bit. I'd love the ability to answer any questions you may have here on the podcast. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books on the Journey to the Draft podcast. For everybody here at NovaCare. I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.